Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fourth month of the Half Gen Book Club. This is podcast episode four. Joining me on his triumphant return from the land of witchcraft and wizardry, mm. my man Ross. How you doing? Uh, good. Uh, a little tanner. It was very Ooh. hot down there all week. Ooh, it's like not sure it got below ninety nine. Ooh, <laughs> no, more like ugh. I say again, ooh. Fair enough. I respect <laughs> it. Um, dude, welcome back. You missed, um, Thanks. you didn't get a chance to listen to those podcasts that we did, did you? You know, haven't had a chance. Did no. you see the name of the last one? I did. Okay, I did. good. Yeah. I was like, I can't wait till he sees this. He might just listen to it and be like, God damn it. <laughs> you should listen to it. We had a special guest. I, I saw in the description. Yeah. Anyway, we're yeah, here but, um, for Halo Ghosts of Onyx by woo! Eric Nyland. Um, author of both The Fall of Reach and First Strike, which we have recorded episodes on. Um, Ghost of Onyx released in 2006, two years after Halo 2 and one year before Halo 3, um, and details the introduction of the Spartan 3 program. You know, I, I have opinions, and I'm going to get right into this, okay? Are you go, ready? Go ahead. I feel like I like this book more than you, so I'm excited to hear your opinions. You definitely do, because yeah. I still did not like this book. Mm, mm-hmm. I still just, man, I'll tell you what, the Spartan 3 stuff resonated with me more this time than it did last time. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that part, but I'll tell you what, I don't think this is the best, I, I think this is probably the weakest book of the th- Four, I would I, say. I, I felt like, and, and no disrespect, no disrespect to Mister Nyland, but um, I don't know. It, it lacked that. It lacked a lot of the the flavor that the other books had. You know, it it felt more like what I would expect from you know the Deets written the Flood. It it felt like a little more detail oriented than world building sometimes. Um, and it just, I don't know. It just never, it never struck that excitement that, you know, fall of reach and first strike both had, because those books were this constant buildup to this, just climax to this climactic event. And Onyx, I don't feel like has nearly the, I just feel like this story doesn't have the level, doesn't have the backbone that those stories had. And it falls flat, just like it, it feels as like... a result of being two stories that were kind of like it, it's the main plot line of it is obviously the Spartan Threes and how that project came to be, mm-hmm. and I almost feel like they didn't spend enough time with that, mm-hmm. and then I feel when they start to bring the rest of Blue Team back into it, it almost feels like shoehorned. It's almost like hey, you remember these characters from the other books? They're here now, and then it's like okay. But they don't serve that much of a purpose other than to just kind of... This book just serves to explain, like, why they're not there in Halo 3. And it just feels like something that... I would say Fall of Reach and First Strike are required reading. I would not say the same for Ghost of Onyx. I think that's probably the the most general way I could put it. I would not consider this book required reading for a Halo fan. Hmm. Interesting. I don't think it. I don't think it adds enough to the extended universe 
to to be like, oh my god, you have to read this book, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I as I was reading, there were times where I got the kind of Deets vibe, where some of the stuff just wasn't hitting home it's as much. It's not his best work. It's not his best work. Yeah, um, I disagree. I do think um, it's required reading if you're a Halo fan because of all of the Spartan Three stuff. Um, in the games, obviously, they don't touch on it that much outside of Halo Reach the game because um, they just go straight to Spartan Fours. But I think the Spartan Threes are a very interesting chapter um, of the Halo mythology that was unfortunately kind of swept under the rug. Um, I do agree that it was odd how he handled them, where we kind of fast-forwarded through Alpha and Beta Company. We had yeah, like the first two chapters, we went through six hundred Spartans. Yeah, yeah. So like that's like excuse me. <laughs> yeah. So like we see um, through uh, Operation Torpedo, um, that was the prologue chapter, which was Beta Company, where Tom and Lucy are stationed. Um, and then later on, we get a little bit about Operation Prometheus, which was Alpha Company, who. Um, we're completely wiped out 100%. If I can real quick, I yeah. really like the uh the reference that they made uh having played Halo Reach, you know, 4 years after this book came out. Um I did really like the reference they made with regards to uh Beta Company went to I think it was Pegasi Delta. Yes. Was the yes. name of the location and they it was George talking to someone in Halo Reach, he's like, he said something about, oh, that hasn't happened since Pegasi, you know? And it was like, he was referencing a Spartan 3 operation, mm. which I thought was really cool. Like, that's would, the thing that he talks about in that game. And I don't remember the exact quote. I'm sure I could pull up a cutscene or something and watch no, it. Yeah, but, but, you know, I, but I, I thought that was a nice little thing that, that Bungie clearly was like, hey, you know what? Let's this reference this book. Yeah. You know, I, um, I feel like this is the only book of all of them. This is the only book that Bungie actually used for a game, which I think is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that George was the one to bring it up, too, as he was the only yeah. Spartan 2 in the crew. The rest were Spartan 3s. <laughs> Wasn't, um, no, because I was thinking, like, I, I thought I remembered more Spartan 3s surviving that mission. Because I thought, what was her yeah. name with the with the metal arm? Cat was a Spartan three. The prosthesis, yeah, but like June was June was the only survivor out of Noble Squad. No, no, no. But I mean, out of like those operations, which one? Because like, unless they were all part of Gamma. Yeah, yeah, they were all part of Gamma because okay. the the book says uh, Alpha Company. Everyone was wiped out. Beta Company. How, only Tom wait. and Lucy survived. All right, Gamma must have been in operation a long time though. Because here's the thing: I don't get. They're there, and they're already elite enough to be given... Pardon me. They are elite enough to be given Mjolnir armor in Reach. The events of Gamma Company and Ghosts of Onyx take place after the event of Halo... After all the events of, like, Halo 1 and First Strike. They're taking place during Halo 2. Because they reference the moment where the Master Chief comes back to say, like, Sir, finishing this fight. You know, like... That happens in this book. Mm-hmm. So how the hell did Gamma already build that kind of legacy? I mean, there those people are not 12 years old. Gamma was 12 years old. So they must be survivors from either Alpha or Beta and, in Reach. It's and, the only way it makes sense. And again, 
Bungie was pretty uninterested in what was happening in the books, and Halo so Reach has had a lot of issues with continuity, especially okay, with so Reach. so I guess they don't really use, utilize the book? No, not really I guess at that's all. the only explanation. Yeah. I just thought because, like, I, I thought the Spartan 3 program was not as you know much, per se, a Bungie idea. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like that was something that they were like, oh, hey, that's cool, let's use that as an excuse to make a Reach game, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would have to look into it a little more, because uh, Alpha Company... Alpha Company died out uh, in 2537. Beta Company died out, with the exception of Tom and Lucy, in 2545. So, if they... And that was seven years before... Seven years before Halo So, they're like 19 at this point, you Mm -hmm. know, because this is 2552. Right. Slash 2553. Yeah, it's really... It's the first five Halo books through uh, Contact Harvest can get pretty muddy when it comes to continuity because Bungie didn't care about the books and they just made the games just completely irregardless of what happened. It's once yeah, we get Bungie to the 343 about, era yeah. that, that everything becomes way more cohesive. Yeah, um, 343 embraced the extended universe sometimes far. too much. Sometimes too much. Um, yeah. But I appreciate what they're doing with it. And then Bungie was just like, the only universe that matters is what's in the games. Yeah. Yeah, so like so yeah, like we said during the Halo Reach game, all of Noble Team are Spartan threes except, except for George. Um who um actually it's funny, the animated adaptation of Fall of Reach, which is not good. I don't recommend you watch it. Mm-hmm. Um but at one point one of the drill instructors is yelling at one of the kids, he's like, Get over there, Jorge and the kid goes, It's George <laughs> It's a fun <laughs> little nod. Um okay. But, um, but yeah, so, um, I, I really do like the Spartan three program. I feel like they're dumped on and I like them so much more than the Spartan fours. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I kind of agree with you that I think, like, I the think Spartan, they're way more interesting. Yeah. I just think the problem with the Spartan threes is inherently tied to their creator. Uh, mm-hmm. cause Ackerson's an asshole. So of course he's going to take the concept of the thing he hates and then just make a disposable version of it. Yeah, I think what because makes... he wants he wants to make an elite group of soldiers that will destroy themselves, so he doesn't have to worry about covering anything up. Yeah, I think where it's kind of offset from that, and what I find as one of the more interesting parts of the book is bringing Kurt into the fold um, as the leader of the Spartan Threes. I I'll tell you what I also just like, and I'm not trying to you know just go out on like a full hate tangent. No, I, I know you've never liked Kurt. You know, it's not even that. I just don't like how he's introduced. Like, he is just this Spartan who's never mentioned. And then all of a sudden, he's part of Blue Team. He saves their lives. You know, it's just like, he's just kind of thrust into this situation. Like, I don't think involving him in Blue Team is like... I think that was the part of the problem with Kurt. Isn't so much Kurt. It's that he's just suddenly this very important piece of Blue Team that nobody Mm. ever talks about. You know, and all of a sudden now he's the guy who's going to lead the Spartan threes and we've got a sabotage blue team and all this nonsense. And it's like you could have just as effectively made him the leader of another Spartan team, taken the opportunity to do what you do best and develop another group of Spartans, you know, and, and tell a story of somebody else. You know, I get that. I get that. that that's, sure. that's all where I'm coming from with that is like, mm-hmm. he just feels so forced into the fold and I don't dislike him as a character. I think Kurt, 
I think a lot of what they say about him and how they build his character is very good. Mm. I like the idea that he's like the Spartan who's so different from everybody else. He gets to know everybody. He's friendly. He shakes hands, you know. He's the guy who's got the bad feeling, you know. When you've got a bunch of supposedly unfeeling soldiers, this guy's over here with a bad feeling. Like, you know, I I just think he got built too quickly. Mm -hmm. And then they just like... I don't know. It, it's just how he got built so quickly and just kind of thrust into things. It just felt unnatural. I, I totally get that. Like, I yeah. totally get where you're coming from. And I think I think to some extent he was... He did feel kind of shoehorned in. I feel like they needed a personable Spartan. And so Nyland created Kurt. Because, like, if you look at the other books we've read... He's like unlike the, every other character. He's unlike every other character. And... Putting him in blue team like kind of makes sense because blue team has had a ton of members. I get that. Uh, but... Like, like they're pretty interchangeable outside of like John Kelly and Fred, and Linda does her own stuff sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, I can totally see where he was forced in. I, I, if he would have survived the end, um, for more kind of development, maybe if we got, uh, just another book. Um, no, I actually, a... I actually think the ending was really good. And I think his ending is good. I think, I think his ending's really good. Yeah. He um, he gets he gets an ending that not a lot of Spartans get, you know? Yeah. He 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 gets to stand his ground and like, you know, f- fight something, and I feel mm. like a lot of other Spartans just kind of either get vaporized or I mean, I think he gets the only other Spartan who really got an ending like that where it's like, yo, I'm going to just stand my ground and, you know, wish me luck was probably Sam. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And like, and they referenced that at the end. You know, we're, remember, we're, you know, I'm I'm like reminding myself we're not doing this chronologically. Let's just talk about the ending. I, it's, I, dude, dude, I I can I read you one of my favorite quotes of the entire book? Are uh, yes? Are you gonna hold on? I just need to know. Are you gonna tell me that you get emotional? I got kind of emotional. I got kind of emotional too. I don't know if it's so. The we're same on one. the same page. But uh, maybe it's probably um, literally on the same page. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm going to read a little before it. So, okay. Um, the fleet master elite snarled at Kurt and the translation filtered through his helmet speaker. Yep. One last fight demon. About. You will die and we shall reopen the silver path. Die. Kurt laughed. Didn't you know? He told the elite Spartans never die. Kurt turned the gauntlet faced up and pressed the detonator. Oh, chills. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go one step further. Hold yeah. on. Because there was a part before that that, like, really got me. Mm-hmm. I'm just going back a couple pages in my book. Stand by. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Kurt, this is just before... This is literally the two paragraphs before what he read. Uh, or uh, I'll read kind of the three. So, his vision doubled, uh, and he thought he saw Tom, Lucy, or Tom and Lucy come t- back to get him. But it wasn't them. It was Shane, Robert, and Jane from Team Wolfpack. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There were hundreds of Spartans with him on the platform, from Alpha and Beta companies, Dante, Holly, Will, and even Sam, all ready to fight and win this last battle with him. Hallucination? Maybe. It was nonetheless welcome. The ghostly Spartans nodded and gave him the thumbs-up can-do signal. Kurt wouldn't let them down. All he had to do was single-handedly stop a Covenant army. One last impossible mission. The short definition of any Spartan... It was the least he owed them. Yeah. This whole page is gold. Yeah. Dude, like, come on. Could you imagine? Like, I'm just sitting there thinking, like, yo, just imagine 
that many fucking Spartans in one place. Imagine <laughs> if that was real. Who would stop that? Yeah. Yo, and oh. if I can, hold on real quick. While we're on the topic of the ending, yeah. I had one other passage that I really liked at the end. You probably liked this one too. Mm-hmm. Um, so after they get pulled into the shield world, we'll talk more about this later. Uh, Kelly whispered, you think John's still out there? I mean, alive? Yes, Linda said. He has to be, Fred told her. He's the only one left to stop the Covenant. I literally, after reading that... Alright, Ross. Just imagine. You know the Starry Night trailer? Yeah. Imagine them talking, and then it flashes to the Master Chief picking up his helmet and doing his shit. Yep. I watched that thing like 16 (laughs) times after that, because I was like, yes! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That, like, I was, yes, man! That was so good. Yeah. It's, man... It's a shame that the last, like, two chapters of this book are, like, the best. Because <laughs> they actually did something. But, like, that was the other thing, too. It was just, like, I felt like the battles in this book were a little more long-winded. Mm-hmm. And they they lacked... It was a lot of hurry up and wait. It's, okay, Kurt's, Kurt's whole strategy is wait here, and then we'll do something. Then we'll go, and then we'll wait here. And, like, his plan was just constantly, like, defensive, defensive, defensive. Where I feel like in the other books, it was like, okay, crazy plan of attack and just continues to escalate the situation. Where I feel like Kurt is trying to continuously de-escalate the situation. Yeah, and I think part of that is due, I, I think it's for a few reasons. I think one is that um, the Spartan 3s he has, has, that he has left are obviously still kids. It's mentioned in the book, um, I think it might have been after Holly gets destroyed. Oh, um, where he's looking at the vitals and it's like Spartan threes are all over the place and it barely, the Spartan twos barely have a flutter. Like they're still learning. They're not, they don't have decades of experience. No, so he I has to that. be a little more defensive. Also their armor is, of them. and their armor is way weaker. And the Sentinel beams in this book are absurdly strong. Oh yes. Um, so he has to be defensive, especially with such a skeleton crew. Um, but yeah. I definitely, I definitely understand because I felt like, the kind of guerrilla warfare once the Sentinels showed up, I think that did last too long. I think yeah. that was dragged out too much. I totally get that. And I think um, the engagement with the Covenant was a little too dragged out as well. I, yeah, I, and, I'll tell you what, though. Mm. I forgot. Like, I knew... I knew... Rest his soul. He's like, Will... Yo, yeah. Will is like a top five all-time Spartan, maybe. Yo, he might, I... He is definitely top five no longer with us Spartans. Maybe top three. But yeah. Will... I forgot how much of a boss he goes out as because mm-hmm. this dude just goes up and starts like the whole covenant army is just in awe because here's this one Spartan I, trying to I, fist fight two hunters. I have the section. I have the section. Pull I, it, took, I took a picture of it. Um, Will stood between both hunters at the base of the I hill. He kicked the nearest in the unarmored middle and it staggered back. Around him were a dozen elites who, confronted by the sight of a lone Spartan engaging two hunters in hand-to-hand combat, were momentarily too stunned to act. Kurt and Lucy opened fire, suppressing the elites before they regained their, their senses. One hunter lashed out with his shield. Will ducked, darted inside its reach, and batters, battered its bruised midsection, punching through flesh and ripping out wriggling chunks of the composite eel colony. And then... The second hunter angled away from the fight and brought its cannon to bear. Will spun around. The hunter shot him. Yo, Will is a boss. Yeah, Will's Will awesome. is a boss who never gets his credit, but he goes out. He's the guy who goes out like a freaking legend in this. But uh, you know, Dante was pretty good too. 
I'll be mm. honest. But like Will goes out like a goddamn legend. He he had a pretty good death too, I guess. Yeah. You know, in terms of like a death like to to have like hundreds of elites in awe of you is yeah. like to have them be like, "Wait, are you serious?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> because this real life, that's awesome. You know, and it, it damn it, Will is so cool. You could God, you could make just such an incredible story. I would love if somebody just went through and made a book of short stories just detailing, like, the most exciting mission of all these Spartans. Get one for Grace. Get one for Will. Get one for James. You know, all these guys, who, all these people, all these Spartans who just unfortunately, you know, met their end, but, like, were so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, get have a book with, like, a bunch of short stories about all the Spartan 2s. Yeah. Detail something that they all did, you know? Mm-hmm. Even some yeah. of the lesser known, I'd say do it for the guys from the Spirit of Fire, too. I don't think they get enough credit because I don't think enough people play the Halo Wars games. Yeah, that's true. Like, and especially, do it for everybody who isn't the Master Chief, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like, we've played, we've probably played his best stories, but like, there's so much. You could do a short story. You could just make it like a chronicle of like X amount of books and just like, hey, read about all these Spartans. What happened to these teams? Like they reference gray team that was missing for a year. Yeah. Who the hell are they? <laughs> they are Halo the Cole Protocol. That's are that's they where really? they show up. Oh, yeah, okay. they're they're in that book. Um But yeah, no, I totally agree. Um and I think part of I think Nyland had kind of an uphill battle. I think a lot of the problems with this book were self inflicted by him. But I think part of the uphill battle was, is that everyone was so attached to that select group of Spartan twos, um, that introducing not only a new Spartan two, but a new order of Spartans, I think was a huge task and one that's difficult to get people to care about. Um, see, I think the issue was they tried to do too much to compensate for the fact that this was the first book without the master chief. Because the first three books had a centralized, well-known character that everybody could attach themselves to, right? Because the Master Chief, he's from the games. If you played the games, you know who this guy is. You're interested in him. Yeah. I feel like you could have split this into two different books and told better stories for both of them. You could have had a book that detailed individual, like the three individual classes of Spartan 3s build these characters up just like you did in the other books and then you take them away and then you build up that other class and it's just like it, it, it you you go through the same effect I, I'm just looking at this critically like in terms of like how I would write it you know if it was mm. me just imagine okay imagine with me for a second think of how like you know Kurt felt he even talks about like you know it, it's harder because he's you know he knows they're gonna die right So it kind of numbs the pain a little bit, but he gets increasingly protective of each group, right? So that's what you do is you build up the first group. They all get wiped down. You're just like devastated. You're like, holy shit, they're all gone. And then all of a sudden, you know, you build up the next group and it's like, you know what? This one's going to be better. And then they're all gone. And then the hurt isn't as much, but like the desire to keep them safer grows, you know? It's kind of like that spiraling into madness type feeling. And like you could build these classes up and you can build these characters. You could probably have, you know, built a better, more cohesive Spartan 3 story, Mm. you know, uh, without feeling like the only class that mattered was really Gamma because everybody else was dead by chapter 3. 
Yeah. That's what it felt like, at least, you know? Yeah. No, so, I agree. They needed I, more room to breathe. And the exactly. Fact, and and, and it's the same thing with the rest of Blue Team. You could have told a better story involving them in, in the events of Halo 2, you know? Instead of just one mission to get these nukes, you could bounce between, you know, a couple Spartan 2s. You could bounce between what, you know, Halsey trying to go and figure out what the hell's going on with the Spartan 3 program. You know, you could wrap up that book in the same way, but you could tell a better story building up these Spartan 2s. You know, Will could get his moment in the spotlight. Linda can get more time, you know. You can season these characters a little bit more and show like, hey, you know what? The Master Chief is not the only Spartan that matters, you know? Yeah. He's all, like, they talk about him at the end of the book, and that's the thing, is they talk about him like he he's the only one now who can stop the Covenant. And, like, I, listen, I'm there with everybody else. I think the Master Chief is, like, the coolest guy because he does all these things, but, like, he is not the only, like, MVP Spartan out there. And I don't think the other Spartans get the respect they deserve only because, you know, they just, you know, they weren't on Halo. That's his claim to fame is he destroyed a ring that was going to wipe out life in the galaxy you know that's his that's the thing that separates him I think from the other Spartans is like you know there's this leadership and things like that and I'm not discrediting that but let's be real when you look at a service record the thing that he has that Fred doesn't for example is Halo Mm -hmm. so like I'm not I'm not saying that Fred you know would have 100% been able to do it but I'm not saying he couldn't we yeah. could be talking about, you know, Fred, what, 084? Is that his number? Or 104? 104. 104. 087 is Kelly. Is there a 084? Which one's Linda? She's 058, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm, I do remember I'm, my blue team. I'm looking up a list of Spartan 2s because now I want to know. Yeah. Wait, they're I, only... They're, 084... I, that on. might not even be one. I might have been mixing Fred and Kelly. Yeah, I'm looking. You, was Kurt 54? Uh, Kurt was 51. Five one. I knew he was five something. But yeah, like I, that, you know. And, and again, I don't want to sit here and sound like I don't want people to be like, ah, Chris hates the Master Chief. Fuck no, I don't. <laughs> Hell no, I do not. <laughs> but there is no OA four confirmed. Okay, all right. I I figured they, I don't, like they don't even have like the numbers don't make sense <laughs> because they had like. It's, I feel like the numbers have... bounce around in a weird way because then they only have like seventy candidates. It's 75. 75, so. and we have a 104 and a 117. The the only thing I could think of is that there were originally more candidates that they wanted, and they, and they had pre-numbered them. them. Yeah, and then yeah. they disqualified them, just kept the numbers. But yeah. yes, the numbers are weird. Yes. Wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah. <laughs> now, can you imagine saying any, anything other than Spartan 117? No. Yeah. No, man. But, um... um so, speaking of... Blue team. I just want to say one thing is that Linda's always been my favorite. Um, Kelly made a strong case in this book. Oh yeah, Kelly. Kelly is good in this book. I um, like her. She jumped she off of a tree her, at a sentinel her and punched it to death. Book. Yeah. So the two parts. So she jumped off a tree at a sentinel and then punched it to death, which was great. Um, and then at a different point later on, Nyland writes. Um, she made an ancient and arcane gesture at the machine with one finger. Yeah. And I started cracking up. <laughs> and then, like, one of the Spartan 3s like, looking like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Kelly, Kelly brings the fire. Yeah. Kelly, Kelly is, like, the weird, 
Spartan of the blue team because like Fred and Linda and John are all very like mission focused and Kelly's got like the quips. She's the, she, the rabbit. She's, she's a little different, you know? Yeah. But Kelly's great. I love um, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Not sure. I thought, because I'd forgotten about this part. Um, I thought it was a nice bait and switch. Um, when, uh, the, Nyland presented the brain-altering chemical to elevate uh, the Spartans' kind of survival instincts. Um, I thought it was a, a nice bait-and-switch to where Kurt was questioning, the or the AI was like, Kurt, they're putting these chemicals in the Spartans' brains. Um, and Kurt was playing along, and you think it, it was Oni and Akerson who absolutely implemented that. But then you find out it was Kurt because was Kurt he is getting time. so protective, like you said. Yeah, Kurt, like, he, he definitely gets to a point where he, he realizes, really, the one weakness of the Spartan 2s is they are superior in almost every way to the Spartan 3s. They have better equipment, they have the decades of experience, decades of experience mm-hmm. and they just have, like, that, they have that warrior mentality already drilled into them, right? Um, to the point where Halsey repeatedly talks about how they're far too indoctrinated to like think clearly and walk, a- you know, and, and and walk away from a fight, like they just can't do it. Like she refers to them multiple times as indoctrinated, which is exactly what she did to them. But like, she sounds like a woman in this book who is having serious second thoughts about what she did to those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just like, okay, so I'm going to suppress some of their, you know, some of their, the things that can cause, like, the the problem was, and it happened to Kelly. You know, Kelly took a big hit, her body went out of control, and she went into borderline shock. And so he basically creates a scenario within his Spartan 3s where they can't go into shock anymore. It just, like, dulls their brain, so, like, their brain doesn't understand, like, hey, you know what? Like, Dante is the perfect example. Spartan 3 walks up to Kurt, holding his side, snaps to attention, salutes, and says, Sir, I think they nicked me, and drops dead. Yep. Just drops dead. His ribs were exposed. Like, he... But he he fought through it so long until his body was literally like, It's impossible, you're done. Like... it's crazy. And like, so he suppresses this and there's a lot of negative effects that go along with it. So he has to administer this additional like treatment to them on a regular basis to prevent their brain from basically like frying itself. Yeah. They have to have the counteracting drug and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So he like, he's just like, I want to keep my Spartans from, from basically feeling fear, you know? Yeah. From, from, from feeling pain, from feeling fear, just like when that adrenaline kicks in and, you know, where a Spartan 2 is like, you know, I feel everything, but like, you know, whatever, I'm going to fight through it. The Spartan 3s are just fighting and they don't even realize half the time what's happening to them. Yeah. And then Dante just drops dead in Kurt's arms because he's he got nicked, but it turns out he lost a chunk of his body. Yeah. Like, at first, the way it's written, you think, like, he got, like, a plasma rifle bolt to the side, and then they say he took a half dozen needles underneath the armpit, and they exploded. Oh, yeah. Like, they tore his body up from the inside out, basically. Yeah. Also, because it was bugging me, 
was doing some light research on Noble Team. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is a case of Bungie not caring about continuity. So um, Carter was from Alpha Company. Okay. Um, Cat was from Beta Company. That makes sense because Picasso. Um, Emil was Alpha Company. Uh, Noble Six was Beta Company. Okay. And um, June, it doesn't specify which uh, which company, but it's uh, I, actually it looks like Al. He was part of Alpha, so everyone was Alpha except for Cat, who was part of Beta. And Noble Six. And Noble Six, yes. So. So yes. So I mean, partial continuity and then just timelines don't add up. Yep, which was the case of those the, early. The books events for sure. add up, but the timelines don't. Yeah. Um. Uh. I, I really, really like. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, we can't both do this. <laughs> um. I, I liked that Mendez was brought back. Yeah. Um, that added smart. a nice air of familiarity, as well as uh, a nice way to kind of turn the um level of kind of the pecking order on its head when kurt is ranks higher than mendez um and just kind of i i wrote down this quote and afterward put proud dad or proud dad moment (laughs) um mendez and kurt's reunion was great i said and then the book says uh, as mendez looked over kurt in his mule near armor emotions played over his face awe approval and resolve We'll get these new recruits trained, sir. And that gave me a little chill. It just brought me back to Fall well, Reach. Yeah, he probably hadn't seen, like, a Spartan in person oh, yeah. since, since training. Then. Yeah. And to see one in front of him decked out and knowing what they'd accomplished? Mm-hmm. That had to... Yeah, exactly, Proud Father. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I really liked how they... I liked the backroom dealings that they kind of had when they had this stealth ship what was it the point of no return i think so yeah Yeah. and it had the like bubble men in black room yeah so it has this room that like no signals can get in or out and it's just a bunch of people who were never there like top ranking military officials and ackerson's just trying to convince them like no we need more spartans and they're like you're crazy and he's like no look at this stuff and they're just like all right We'll reroute you the funding through the normal means. Okay, but we need a place. All right, I've got a planet. We can do it here. All right, we also need a trainer, and I want a Spartan to do it. All right, well, let's go stage this thing. Mm-hmm. And they have a ship, like a frigate, like size, almost the size of a destroyer that they can, like, cloak, basically. Yeah. And it's like, what? And everybody's <laughs> like, everybody's like, it's impossible to do. And they're like, oh, we did it. <laughs> So jokes on you assholes. <laughs> we went and did the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And just I I did like the kind of backroom dealings. Yeah. Um Perengoski was there who plays a major role in the Kilo 5 trilogy that we'll get to eventually. Um she's like the head of the head of everything. Um so watching her kind of interact with Ackerson is good cuz Ackerson sucks. Um I don't know. My my mind's kind of all over the place. I just have kind of random stuff I want to talk about from the book. Yeah, no, um, go for it. I'm trying to find... How do I pull up my notes on a... You probably don't have this on Kindle. I'm trying to, like, I have on pull, Google Keep. The book? Oh, uh, no, I have the physical book. Okay, no, okay, I found my notes. Well, no, because yeah, I was um, highlighting stuff as right, I went through right, right. for, like, notes. Yeah. Um, um, I, I found it interesting during the Spartan 3 training 
They talked a little bit about the drill instructors and said they were mixed. Uh, they were a mix of handpicked NCOs, medics, and the washouts from the first Spartan class. Yes, so, because there were. Each... I wasn't sure if they were talking about Alpha or if they were talking yes. about Spartan ones. No, I figured so, they were talking about Alpha. Yeah, that was a reference to they. They had like four hundred, almost four hundred, or over three hundred candidates. I just know it was over three hundred and only three hundred slots. Mm-hmm. And so the first day they landed, basically they were just like, "Hey." You have to jump. Whoever doesn't jump or who doesn't survive doesn't make it. Right. You know? Right. And then the people who survived but didn't make the cut, they were brought in as instructors because they were like, hey, they could still be valuable and they have a mm-hmm. chip on their shoulder now because it's like, right. hey, you know what? These are going to be capable soldiers and now they're pissed that they didn't make it. So they're going to make life hell for the new recruits. Yeah. Um, I had one thing. I pulled yeah, a lot actually from like the first battle from the beginning of the game with um Beta Company or beginning of the yeah. game. Uh beginning <laughs> of the book. Yeah. Um so I just thought it was cool so when cuz we're following Tom right off the bat mm-hmm. and I just thought it was so cool like when he lands because they all basically get like ODST dropped onto the place and there was this passage a uh, additional dots appeared on his heads-up screen. A dozen, two dozen, then hundreds. The rest of Beta Company was online. 291 of them. Nine hadn't made it. Either dead on re-entry or killed from the impact or by Covenant forces before they could get out of their pods. Uh, after yeah. the mission, he checked the roster to see who they lost. Uh, for now, he stuffed his feelings into a dark corner of his mind. And just yeah. like... Just this thought of like all these dudes, all these Spartans landing and then just like charging this Covenant ship factory, uh, this like ship foundry. Because mm. uh, basically that whole mission was like the Covenant had this factory on the edge of UNSC space. And it was basically either the Spartan threes go in and destroy it or the Covenant are going to just come through with like dozens of super carriers and just wipe out like a whole swath of UNSC space for nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cause was it was important. only something like 17 light years away from earth or something or 17 light years away from like an outer colony of ours or something. So it was super close. And then like there were parts where like, you know, the covenant were reacting on the invasion and they they started to regroup and start mounting a defensive, and then you have this. Uh, the plasma slowed, still boiling, and then the clouds cooled and thinned to a dull gray haze, leaving crackling glassed earth and bits of charred bone in its wake. On its tack map, dozens of dots winked off. You know, yeah. so they're just taking these dudes out. You know, once the Covenant figure out, oh, hey, you know, we're being invaded, they start mounting a counterattack, and that's just to show you the difference. You know, you got 300 of these guys, but there's a reason you've got 300 of them. Because they're getting taken out, you know, hot knife through butter. Because their mm. armor... And that's not to say that a Spartan 2 would be all that much better in that scenario. But at least they had better shielding. They had stronger armor, tougher plating. And, you know, they just... I think they just had better training. Because they were training for a lot longer than, you know, 12 years... Or they were training a lot longer than 8 years before they got thrown to the fire, you know? In, in, in a in an impossible mission like that you know mm-hmm. um and I really just kind of wrapping up like the beginning portion because this is where I got uh a lot of my notes 
is like the moment where they reveal like, you know, Lucy, when Lucy takes off her helmet and it's oh, like, yeah. they're all 12 years old. Yeah. It's a bunch of preteens launching a full on assault against like elites guarding a, a covenant ship factory. Like, and they have to escape and she's just like, what if like they need to escape and Tom is trying to like get her out of there because they blew up the facility and like, if we don't go now, we're not getting out. And she's like, what if someone else survived? And that was the last word she ever said. She, yeah. Her, her last words are, how are you sure we're alive? That, after yep. seeing, And, and then, yeah, that's the last thing she ever says. Yeah, and it's, and oh, this, man. in the years to come, Tom would reflect on Lucy's last question every day. How are you sure we're alive? Something had died for every Spartan that day. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, like, I that mean, was that was like that was good storytelling. They're the only really they're the only two Spartan threes that you care about by the end of the book. Yeah. Like you know, no, Saber Saber has a couple people here and there, and you know, but it's like Tom and Lucy, and I think they're underutilized throughout the book. But it's just that it's that intro. That is like, this is why you needed to dedicate this book to the Spartan 3 program and not mm. end up making it a story about Spartan 2s. Yeah, yeah. And we get the continuation of the Onyx storyline of what's going on inside the Dyson Sphere once we get to Halo Glasslands. Um, and we get a, a lot more Lucy in that book. Um, so we will return to Lucy and Tom. Um, to get more development that they return. deserved. Yes. Thanos will return. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I think those are like, they should have had more to do. Like I, they I, bring, they bring them on as like trainers for Gamma Company. Yeah. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, I, I do like, cause Lucy, she can't talk, but there's one scene where like Kurt is trying to like get ready. Cause he's just in his regular uniform and stuff. Because Sentinels are attacking them. So, oh, God. I got so hyped in it. No, I know. And, like, uh, God. So, it was the, like, we'll, it was we'll the, explain what... The, we should explain the deal with Onyx after this. But yep, 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 yep. he goes to get equipped, and there's this, like, two-and-a-half-meter vault. And he opens it up, and inside is his Mjolnir. And, like, Lucy is just trying to grab, like, ammunition. She just drops what she's carrying and walks up in awe of it. And she can't speak, so she just taps him points at him and points at the armor and he's just like that's not me anymore that's you know that's my old life I'm one of you now because he's afraid that if he puts on his Mjolnir that will put him above them and I'm like listen dude I get it but you're an idiot because if you really care about protecting these kids these children you should pull out all the stops it's not about being a Spartan 3 anymore his logic is flawed in this scenario because he's trying to protect the idea that Spartan 3s... I get it. He's trying to protect the idea that Spartan 3s are more than capable. But if he wants to protect these kids, imagine how much more he could have done in Mjolnir armor. Yeah. yeah. He I might have made it. He might have lived. He might have lived, yeah. 
Like I, I, I get the symbolism he was going for, but, but it, it was the, the right it, decision. It was not the right decision. That was not because a sound tactical decision for a man who prides himself on his tactical decision making. That was not sound decision making. Yeah, I feel like he he had a very good chance to survive the end if he would have been wearing the Mjolnir armor, especially because like they even Nyland takes a second to be like. Yeah, Kurt's been studying the armor ever since he first got it. Has been upgrading like the power source and everything, so it lasts way longer than it should have His initially. Suit like is mint. He probably yeah. has the cleanest active set of Mjolnir out there. And he's he's been making upgrades to it all this time, and then he doesn't use it. It made me angry. Yeah, he should have put it on. He should. I will it. never change my mind on that. He should have put it on. Yeah. Like, or shit. If the, I'm Lucy, I take it. Screw this guy. I take it. I will wear it. If you don't, it's, I will. It's a little too big for her, but make I get it work. It. She got something to look forward to. <laughs> she, she's only five three. Yeah, he's like well, seven feet tall. Yeah, I, I like how it. Halsey sees him too later, and she's just like, "Hmm, you're too tall to be one of the threes. You look more like my work." She's like, "There's three missing Spartans." Yeah, I have that. I watched I one that of pulled. them die. The yep. other one I know is definitely missing. So you're Kurt. And he's just like, yeah. well, shit. <laughs> yeah. He, like it, it says the helmet's face plate, faceplate unpolarized and Kurt smiled at her. Is there anything you don't know, Dr. Halsey? <laughs> um, she and, always yeah, knows, it's, just like when the, in First Strike, when she's calling everybody Fred, William. Yeah. And everyone's like, please stop. <laughs> You're embarrassing um, me in front of the other Spartans, mom. <laughs> but yeah, one of the uh, the other Spartans that she mentions among the three, the missing one, Randall, you actually get to see his story in Halo Nightfall, the live action series. You get to see uh, what kind of became of him. Oh. So, um, so that is a, a loop that has now closed that was not when the book was released. Um, but yeah, I liked Halsey in this book, man. Yeah. Um. Like, I, I always like Halsey. Uh, she makes some, not always the best decisions, because her well, let's be real. Her thirst for intellect hold on, hold overpowers on, hold on. her. I, I yeah. wouldn't even say that. In the end, she always makes the best decision. It's just her mm. methods are questionable. Yeah. I think that's yeah. more what it is, is that she makes the right decision in the wrong way. <laughs> the yeah, same way and... that we have Halo 5. The Master Chief could have just called Lord Hood and be like, yo, I gotta go check on Cortana. Lord Hood would be like, all right, that's cool. I don't have to send this fire team of Spartans after you. And it's like, then yeah. hey, we wouldn't have had to play Halo 5. It would have been better that way. <laughs> but because uh, you can't pick up the phone and call dad and be like, hey, dad, I'm going to be home late. I'm not going to be home for dinner. Sorry. Okay, son, yeah. you'd be good. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that will be interesting once we get to the Kilo 5 trilogy because that trilogy is notorious for like for the author Karen Travis absolutely hating Halsey and kind of everyone in the universe turning against her. Um, that's a huge complaint with that series, but I'll be interested to see it for myself. Well, we, I, we I read... see it in the games too. Everybody. Well, yeah, we Halsey see it in the games too. By the yeah. end. I think Bungie yeah. really liked Halsey and then this era liked Halsey and then three, four, three took over and everybody hated Halsey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I have, I've gone through almost all my notes for the book. Um, There's not a I lot to the book. I, I, I'll be honest. I will say. I'll be honest to the audience. There was a lot of the book. Like, there's this whole section uh, that I feel is almost entirely throwaway uh, involving the Covenant. Um, mm. 
it does address how the Covenant leave the uh, Delta Halo and they have to purge the uh, the infestation. So, like, they have Covenant ships and they're like, you know, the, the elites are like, brothers, we have to purge this infestation. And, like, ships are turning off their shields so that they can be purged. Yeah. They're just like, we're too close to the surface. Turn off the shields. Like, it is kind of cool because, like, one elite has to, like, take down another. He has to take out a shipmaster and... Like the these two hunters are there to like protect the shipmaster, and they're just like, he you did what you had to do. It was it was it was a clean kill, you know. It was a yeah, mercy he, kill. He, yeah, the shipmaster had become fanatical to the point where he wanted to get infected by the flood. He wanted to he bring thought, the infestation on the ship. Yeah, because he thought it was part of like the great journey. Yeah, he no, thought that was the next evolution. So, there's this huge thing where the elites are like that was the coolest part of that entire story. Yes, line. and that was in the first like three pages of that chapter. Yeah, that was, was the first three pages of that chapter. There was way more of this storyline and way more of a random UNSC storyline. Yeah, and then there's this UNSC fleet that I almost read none of because they literally did nothing. Yeah. They took out a couple yeah. Covenant carriers that they didn't have to get involved with. Um, they they were like kind of floating around Delta Halo because apparently they slipstreamed off of an Amberclad. Because an Amberclad follows... And they did call uh, Miranda Keys the ballsiest... Uh, the ballsiest captain in the fleet. Um, but when she follows Truth's ship, uh, not Truth, um, Regret, when she follows Regret's ship out of New Mombasa, apparently they like pick up the signal and so they like coast on it and then they figure out like where they went. That's how they find Delta Halo and I imagine they, they, that's, they, that's how they get Keys back, you know, in Halo 3. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the Arbiter. I imagine he catches a ride there because it's not with the Covenant because these Covenant go back and they're like, oh, the humans found Onyx. We have to claim the relic. And it's just like, yeah. didn't you people just say the prophets betrayed you? They're all like, the yeah. prophets have betrayed us, but we must go claim the holy relic. And it's like, you dense... Mm. Yeah. Do you want to go into what Onyx is? Yes. Because we haven't... Yes. No, yes, go, please. We haven't touched on that. Um. So Onyx, this entire time, has been the planet where... The Spartan Three training has been going on. Um, there's this uh, there's this location on Onyx called I think it's Zone Sixty Seven, yes. um, where a company of I don't remember if it was Beta or Alpha Spartans. It was Alpha, I think. Um, they basically went to this area, disappeared, and it was deemed off limits for everyone. Yeah, and the Turn- rumor was that uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of like uh, uh, trainers kind of got to oh, have yeah. their way with the team. So they like went up there and then the trainers got a little bit of payback and it got, it was a cover up, and they didn't want mm. people to find out. But in reality, as Ross will tell you, it was a, it was a Sentinel factory. Yep. <laughs> um, but I don't think they realized that at the time. No, they did not. So no. um, it was a Sentinel factory. So it's a big open space, kind of like in uh first strike when they find that big, like forerunner superstructure. Yeah. In because Catbook. Um, but in this case, the Sentinel factory was kind of, you know, inoperable at the time. It was, it was inoperable until, uh, Halo 1. Until Halo was act, was activated, then deactivated and then destroyed. Yes. Yeah. And then the Sentinels were like, okay, well, here we go. And then Delta Halo was activated or no, Mm -hmm. no. Did they say it was triggered? Yes, Halsey said it was triggered during the Halo event, right? Not Delta Halo. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because all this is... Yes, because that was September of 52, which is when Halo 1 takes place. 
Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So, but Delta Halo probably didn't help things because Delta Halo was legitimately activated and then deactivated much later in the process. Yeah. So, much like... She even mentions the surf- references to the Ark in this book. Yeah. Yeah. So, a little teaser for Halo 3. <laughs> Um, so like the underground facility on reach from first strike, um, there was some forerunner shenanigans, chicanery going on. Um, and it turns out there was a, basically a sphere that on the outside was about three meters by three meters, but, um, the inside was like in this interdimensional slip space bubble and it was a planet many times the size of earth. The best way for anybody who's played the games that I could probably compare it. And this is on a much larger scale. Uh, oh, I forgot my phone. My phone's not on silent. My bad. Um, Take a shot. Would be Halo Four when Infinity gets pulled in and um, yeah. Forward Unto Dawn gets pulled in. That's the same thing. It was a Shield world, and yeah. they get pulled in, or uh, you know, um, which we call it uh, Halo Wars, first one, another Shield world. Oh, uh, Arcadia. No, they didn't. That wasn't no. Arcadia. That was when they did the random jump. Remember, they jumped to like yeah, uncharted yeah, space, yeah. but they found a shield world and they slingshot out of it using the sun. You're right. Yeah. Right. So those are shield worlds, but they were worlds inside of worlds, and this is like a Dyson sphere where they were like inside of a very small thing, but on a world like many, many times larger than the Earth. Yeah, and the forerunners made these to go to when the Halo rings needed to be fired, and they would be protected from the halo array blast but the so halo the, situation escalated much faster than they expected and we're unable As to we'll evacuate. find out with the forerunner trilogy and i can't wait to read it again yeah well, um, we'll get there we'll in get there someday 2020 probably in 2035 um 2552 and then i think a super cool scene that i would love to see in like animation is uh toward the end it was one of the like random unc fleet chapter to end the book um, in the epilogue, I think, like they were like, we see the ground and the oceans just rising and disappearing, and the entire planet is made of sentinels. Yep, that part was actually really cool. And they <laughs> were like, so cool. they were making up the planet. It's like all uh, sentinel, and they're like, there's billions of them. Yeah, like the planet itself was a massive sentinel. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of Ghost of Onyx. Um, I I think that the kind of overarching ideas and concepts and things they introduced, uh, I think, did a little bit more for me than they did for you, Chris. Like, conceptually, Um, the book is fine. The book is very good conceptually. In its execution, it is flawed. Yeah, I, no, and, and I for that reason, you know, and I, I don't mean it in like, you know, I when I say like it's probably my least favorite of the four, I don't mean it in any disrespectful way, but I just look at it as like I think. You know, when I look at how the books execute the idea that they're going for in the events, I just think this one is the most flawed in its execution because it never really, it it, it doesn't always deliver. It gets some of those emotional moments, but it doesn't have the high highs and it has a lot of the low lows, you know? Yeah. And in in the delicate balancing act that they are, I think it's like, it, it, you know, Reach and First Strike are absolute must reads like hundred percent you're doing yourself a disservice they're great books regardless of being halo i think the flood is a really good companion and then ghost of onyx is just kind of ghost of onyx just kind of feels inconsequential in, in the grand scheme because it's mostly uh, you know as 
Ross was able to clarify today, it was mostly ignored in Halo Reach, and it doesn't do a lot really to enhance or change anything from Halo 2 to Halo 3. Where First Strike set a huge event in motion, this game just kind of just takes people out of the picture. You know? Yeah, and... um... Yeah, this and, is, it just feels like a book of busy work. You know, these are the this is like the DLC expansion that comes out, and people are like, eh, you know, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, and because in terms of new characters, Kurt is introduced and killed off by the end of the book. Um, the only new characters I think we have left are Lucy and Tom, and who Saber. show up in no, future Saber, books. So Ash is still alive. Um, what's his name? Mark and Holly died. I don't know who the yeah, other Holly one is. Died. There's another one though. There is another girl. I can't remember. Uh, Hold on, I can Holly. pull it up. Give me one second. I just gotta scroll uh, a couple chapters. Oh god. What was what was the name? Stand by. Team Saber. I got it. I got you it. Got it. Um Dossier Trivia Operational History. Uh maybe I don't. Uh here we go. Holly, Ash. Dante, uh, Olivia. Olivia is alive. Oh, yeah, Olivia. Olivia appears in Halo: Last Light, which um, has Fred as kind of the main character, from what I understand. Hey. Um. So she shows up. She's actually on the cover of that book. Cool. So, um. So yeah, we'll see some of these characters later, but um, it's kind of like. Unfortunately, like, it, I feel like this is a. I'm almost kind of sad that we're done with the Halo books now because I feel like this is a very flat ending to an otherwise, like, really just solid series of books. I, it, yeah, like, like from, it, it kind of ends, kind of sputters to this to a stop, you know? It feels like uh, it feels like a middle chapter. Yeah, it doesn't, but it doesn't like, feel like a proper conclusion to, you know, as it is for an arc. Yeah, yeah. Well, technically, Contact Arvis was the last book. Well, It was I, the first five books, I, and then... Contact Harvest is really last. Well, I mean, I look at this more of like the game. I look at this the as the, the 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 Halo trilogy books. Gotcha. That's what gotcha. this is. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get and that. And in terms of those four books, this is kind of a letdown, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, for for me, it probably goes um, from best to, or favorite to least favorite for me. It probably goes Fall of Reach, First Strike, and then literally. Flood and Ghost of Onyx are on equal footing because I didn't care about half of the Flood book because I played most of it. I think, um, like, I really liked Fall of Reach, but I think First Strike was, like, that was a much better read the second time I read it. I yeah, got I liked it really into that book. I would almost consider putting that above, like, I would almost do the opposite, and I would put Reach and First Strike on equal footing and then go, like, hmm. Flood Onyx. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, that's Ghost of Onyx. And that's Halo. Yeah, we that's are, Halo we for are now. taking a break from Halo. Ross, let's, we got some time. Let's talk a, a little bit about where the book club's going to be going in the, yeah. in the immediate future. Yeah, so, uh, like Chris said, we're taking a break from Halo for a while. There are, like, 25 books, so we'll get back to it. Don't you yes, worry. Yes, we'll be back. Um, Especially as Halo Infinite draws closer and we're getting more and more psyched, um, we'll be itching to get back. But um, in terms of the wait, next book... Wait, wait, Ross, hold on. When you put this one as July, did you actually mean June and that's just when we record the podcast? 
Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, because this, like, this one so, we read for in May, but it's being posted in June. Okay, so this, okay. So this is being read in June and posted in July, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so we, we compile a list of uh, video game-based books. I have to see books. if this is on Kindle, actually, real quick, so I know if I I'm have sure, to I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Um, but um, we thought about another series where kind of the lore is fascinating um, of this video game series. Um, for me, I really just love the first game in the series and not the other two. A big fan but, of the last one, right? Here. Yeah. Yeah. I like the story mostly of the last one and I don't like the gameplay, that's, that's but, fine. um, our next book, which, um, we will be posting our book club for, um, for the date of July 7th. 2019 is Bioshock Rapture uh, by John Shirley. Here, I have it. (laughs) Yes. Um, So this is a prequel to the first Bioshock game. Um, So yeah, we're very excited. Um, He's he's written other things as well. Uh, Oh, that's what I know him from. He wrote Halo: Broken Circle, which is a phenomenal book. Oh, really? That we'll get to someday. Yes. Okay, now um, I am more excited to read this book because if he went from this yeah. to Halo and I like this book, yeah. then I'm probably going to like that book. Yeah, I love Halo Broken Circle. So that's where I know him from. Um, so yeah. Um, so we're going to be... Bioshock Rapture. We're going to be delving, uh, you know, under the sea. We're going, we're going Halo adjacent. <laughs> from, <laughs> just with the same author. Six degrees of separation. <laughs> except Six it's like one Halo. degree. <laughs> same author. Different. Yep. Oh man, don't uh, worry. We got William Dietz books on here too. It's true. Uh, it's true. So guys, we're we're gonna break down a little bit, just so you guys know. Okay, we're we're going in some cool directions. All right. Here's the plan. So this month we're reading Bioshock Rapture, and the podcast for that is going to be July seventh. Indeed, I'll have the dates ready. Yes. After that, we have everything figured out for the next couple months. And then, you know, hopefully as this grows and people start, you know, getting more people start getting involved, we eventually want to get to voting and things like that so you guys can pick books. Uh, After that, we're going to kind of go Halo adjacent again, but not like we're going StarCraft, another space opera. But I'm really excited to read this book. It is StarCraft I Minsk. So this is the ruthless dictator of the Terran Dominion. Uh, so I feel like there are a lot of opportunities for some really excited, char- exciting character building and things like that. Um, and let's be real, if StarCraft has anything, it's gameplay and storytelling. Yep. Uh, after that, we're going to go... My life for iron. My life Sorry. for iron. I had to. Taro <laughs> uh, We're going in a... Uh, oh yeah, here, you take this one. Yeah, yeah. So in September, um, kind of the last after the last book club, we were talking about uh, we don't have to just read books set in the universes of the games themselves. We can read books about video games and how they're made. Um, so for September, a book that is very near and dear to my heart, which is funny because I didn't play the games growing up, uh, but the, I read this book previously and it was just so good I wanted to read it again. Uh, Masters of Doom, which details the creation and founding and uh, eventual 
uh, basically dissolving of id software and the story of john romero and john carmack and kind of how they revolutionized and created almost the first person shooter genre which would later become halo halo yeah it's all connected folks <laughs> and then october it's halo, it's halo again, again. <laughs> we're coming uh, back october, to our baby uh yep hey uh october is halo contact harvest which i actually before we or it wasn't before we started book club because we took like a year to record the first episode not my fault um i nope. take zero responsibility nope. for that no, it's, you know, it's, I'm going to blame Tony. All right. Yeah, um, that's fine. Thank you. Um, yeah. Halo Contact Harvest, which is a prequel to all of the games. Stars our boy, uh, Sergeant Avery Johnson. Sergeant Avery Johnson and gets into a lot of really fascinating backstory about how the prophets that you know in the games came to power. Um, so I'm very excited about that as well. Um, and then, yeah, that's the last, that's how far we have it planned out. After that, we'll see, uh, if we want to do voting or uh, how we want to go forward, but I'm very excited. I'm really enjoying this book. Club. I am too. Like I, this is, you know what? I could stand to do some more reading. That's where I'm at. Yeah. And like, you know, this has been fun. It's a nice little, you know, extra little bit to put on the site. It's also, I can finally use the best of half gen thing. That's where I've been putting these. So I've been yeah. updating that. They on are the, the best. I have been updating do. that on the monthly basis now. So like, there go us. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, you know, we'll see how, you know, the the reception of all this goes and hopefully as things get bigger and better, uh, you know, we could start implementing the voting, let you guys suggest books to us by October. I'm sure we'll have a way to figure out like whether that's on Twitter, whether that's on the website or straw poll. We make a discord for half gen. I don't know. Um, we'll see, but we'll, we'll figure something out where we can get a vote out there and you guys can decide, you know, what books we should read. And, you know, if worse comes to worse, there's plenty of Halo books. Indeed. And, <laughs> I, I will and, be and other every single one and of them. other books. Yes, we will be reading and other all books. of the Halo books at some point. We have, we have multiple different franchises listed in our master list. After books, Halo so. though, we should probably not read sci-fi. We should go on like a fantasy kick for like a couple months and not read sci-fi for a while. We can do that. Because even like Bioshock is like mildly sci-fi <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> don't worry it's about sci-fi it. sci-fi adjacent. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Six degrees of halo. There anyway, we go. <laughs> uh, that was episode four of the Half Gen Bookcast. That's gonna be um, the tagline for this podcast: Six Degrees of Halo. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That should be it. Um, thanks for joining us. We're having a ton of fun doing this. We hope you're having a fun, ton of fun listening to it and reading um, it and reading it. And yeah, we will be back um, July seventh uh, with our talk through of Bioshock Rapture. Yes. Join us then. So, indeed. And catch us again. Uh, just a reminder, actually, while I have the opportunity. Yes. And this yes. is also to remind Ross, uh, the I podcast remember. scheduling is changing slightly. So podcasts. Or weekly podcasts. The weekly, regular, half-gen podcast, which has just uh, had its 101st episode this past week. Hey! And Ross hasn't been on the past two, which is a little sad. But he's going to be here this week, right? I will be here this week. I've been playing a ton of games. Ross, okay, hold on. I have to tell you. I bought a game for my Switch, and I played two games on my Switch last week, and you weren't there. And you weren't there. Who are you? Who are you? You weren't even there 
for you're when not I switched Chris. in at you most, you weren't there. You, you are not the real Chris. I played two games on my Switch, and I had fun. Will a real Slim Chris please stand I'm up? I'm standing. I'm standing up right now. Um, so, <laughs> all right, so Ross, we need to decide. Should we change the day? Yeah. Should we just change the day to be Friday? Or should we just... Yeah, that's okay. what I was thinking. So the podcast yeah. is now going to go up on Friday mornings. So if you're sitting there Thursday and you're like, Chris is late again, first off, it's never been my fault. Actually, that's a lie. Uh, it's mostly been my fault. All right. You know what? I'll, if you, you want to take that, that's on you. <laughs> it's, it's mostly been my fault. You know what? I'm flaky. I have bad internet and lots of things happen. God. I think we've, I think we're good with that though now. I think we've gotten I hope that. so. My, the power did go out today for no reason for like 20 minutes. <laughs> so that's something. But yes, the weekly podcast is now going to be on Fridays. Um, and in terms of other stuff, um, you know what? We're, we're going to use this opportunity real quick because we got minutes and minutes more. I'm not trying to keep you here forever, Ross. But I did have a question. Maybe oh, we no, can address I was, it here. I was, I was hoping I downloaded and installed Dauntless. I don't know if you played it Oh, I haven't it. yet. We can play that after this. Uh, yeah, I wanted to play it after this. If sure. Time. I think uh, Uber and Cypher cool. have it too. So we Sweet. four-man team. Yeah, let's do it. Um... Just to tantalize the people, we talked a little bit about doing some more, maybe spoiler casts mm. in 2019. We have to play the same games for that. Alternatively, okay. Alternatively, yes. we could talk to each other about games that we played that the other haven't. Because I true. really like Days Gone. Wow. I'm gonna okay. go out there and say I really like Days Gone. Nice. So maybe expect that... the spoiler cast in the future where I explain to Ross why Days Gone is actually secretly a good game. I would love that because I have no intention of playing that, so you, I'd like to hear about it. You know what? I think if you heard about some of what happens in Days Gone, you would actually be interested in playing it. What if I told you that Deacon St. John was secretly a good character who's huh. kind of well thought out and his flaws are reasonable and... The game is like... I'd say you're crazy. Dude, if you get through like the first three hours of that game, it's a totally different game. The first huh. three hours are puberty, and then like you come out of your cocoon as a special <laughs> butterfly, and then all of a sudden like the game is like, whoa, there's like emotional connections happening and shit. Then you come out of your cocoon as Mothra. I also Ooh. saw Godzilla. Ooh. Yo, yeah. Pretty good. Let's talk about it. We got time. <laughs> good, good monster fights in that movie yeah, man there's some cool it. monster I gotta fights. decide if I want to see that because I got two passes and I'm using one of mm. them for Spider-Man I have two free passes one nice. Spider-Man yeah. and then I need to decide if I want to use it on Godzilla or if I want to hurry and watch the first two John Wicks and then use it on you John Wick 3 you watch the first two John Wicks and use it on John okay. Wick 3 I've seen it okay. twice right. it's good Alright, that's I love the John Wick franchise. <laughs> oh, so good. I like so when good. The third, by the time I knew there was a third one, I was like, I've made a mistake not watching John Wick. <laughs> yeah. Three days in after that the third one was released, they announced the fourth one for twenty twenty one. Yeah, so like John Wick sounds it's real, real good. cool. Yep. Yep. It's it was so hot in Orlando one day that we went to the movies in the early afternoon and watched John Wick three because Zane hadn't seen it yet. Oh, okay. That's and then reason. went to the park after. How was the park? Actually, hold on. Tell yeah. me about Harry Potter Land. Um, so Harry Potter, uh, world, Harry Potter whatever, World is in Universal witchcraft, witchcraft and Wizardry. Tell me about it's, it. Yeah. Um, so it's in Universal Park as a whole. Harry Potter World is very cool. Okay. It's super detailed. Um, I am not a Harry Potter fan. Uni- How would I feel? Yeah. Um, 
Okay, you've said uh, enough. <laughs> yeah, like it, it really is for okay. fans. Um, the rest of Universal is weird. Really? It feels yeah. Did you ride like, the Hulk? I did, no, I don't do roller coasters. Oh, right. I have a bad, I have a bad heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want you to. Uh, Zane and Allie and Megan did. They enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah. So, outside of Harry Potter World, it feels like it's a park from the 90s. Mm. They have a Marvel section where, like, all of the exterior of the stores is clearly, like, 90s X-Men cartoons. Um, they have a Jurassic Park section where, like, the videos that play on the TV about the ride are clearly shot in the early 90s. <laughs> the same goes for the Men in Black section. Where before the ride, you see like very old video clips. Like it feels like they've poured all of their money into Harry Potter world and everything else is wasting away. So if you don't like Harry Potter, I wouldn't go to Universal. (laughs) I'm going to throw that out there. It's also very hot. I bet. It's Florida. Um, And that's, that is a a, a moist heat. Yeah. uh, I came out almost looking as tan as Zane. It was so hot. Um, it, oh, not really. I, I just look Italian. I was going to say something. I was like, I probably shouldn't make that comment on the podcast. About That's probably for the yeah. best. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if you like Harry Potter, it's totally worth it. Um, if you don't like Harry Potter, don't go to Universal. There you go. Stay out of Universal yeah. unless you... Just go to Disney World. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Their Star Wars World's almost done. I heard. I'm yeah, I, you know, they're letting people in on like, you know... Uh, yeah, media limited, I've seen. Like, basic. Well, no, like yeah. you can actually get passes for it, but then you get limited to like four hours, and then like oh, the, yeah, they yeah, will yeah. stop serving you. Like if you go to buy something, they will tell <laughs> so you no, weird. you have to leave. <laughs> so and then weird. like everybody else gets like a notification Whoa. on their phone, like better hurry, your spot's open, you've got an hour. Yeah. Anyway, that's that. that's that. Half gen book club. Woo! Half gen bookcast. I switch all the time between those. Yeah, I keep putting um, it like I, if we had thought of bookcast on the first day, I would have named it that. But I'm like, I don't want to go back and rename them to bookcast because I don't know if the if the iTunes and like Google Play feed will update. Yeah, and I'm like, well, so, iTunes is shutting down, so that won't matter. What? You're not here. iTunes. They're shutting down iTunes. Are they really? Because they're gonna make they're gonna do on desktops what they do on phone and tablet where they have the separated music and movie and podcast apps oh okay so itunes is being shut down okay how does that impact i think we're still okay we should still yeah be okay. it's because it's still going through anybody, apple's service I, don't know anybody, I need to find somebody with an iphone and see if they can find our podcast now if you have an iphone and you, tell me if you can find our podcast <laughs> in apple podcasts go to halfgen.com comment on this podcast and tell me if you could find it in Apple Podcasts because I know it works in Google Podcasts. We might be able to ask someone from Discord. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, I think um, Will, Will but yeah. has an iPhone. We can ask him. There we go. Yeah. All right. Cool. So that's it. Episode four. Thanks for listening. Um, we had a lot of fun, and we will be back for the next book club, July Sunday, July seventh for Sunday. Bioshock Rapture. July Sunday. July Sunday. July Sunday. Sunday. Sunday.